You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Our series is called Intriguing Women. If you've got one of these bulletins, you'll see the titles of the messages coming up. Let me introduce them to you quickly. Our message today is Rebecca and the Messy Courtship. So you'll learn about that intriguing woman this morning. Next Sunday, Mother's Day, we're going to be talking about Naomi and the comeback. Last week, you heard about the comeback of our Lord Jesus Christ and what a comeback that was. The greatest comeback of all time, of all history, was our Lord dead for three days, raised again, not resuscitated, not reincarnated, but raised from the dead, alive forevermore, the greatest comeback of all time. We mentioned last week, even Sports Illustrated said that's the greatest comeback of all time. And uh, we agree with that. Naomi had a comeback, that's next Sunday, and then following that, Rahab and the Red Streamer. And if you're wondering what in the world is the Red Streamer, you'll want to be here for that Sunday. And then another intriguing woman, Michael and the Dancing King. You'll hear about her and, uh, and her dancing husband. And I won't tell you the rest of the story. That comes on that weekend. And then Eve and the first man. We can learn something from Eve. Some intriguing women we're going to be talking about. And hopefully there's a lesson for all of us in that. But before we get into Rebecca and her messy courtship, let's pray and ask God to help us understand what we need to hear this morning. Father, we thank you that your word, it's special. You said my words are different. These words are alive. My words are spirit. My words are life. Today, we simply pray that we could hear what we need to hear for our lives, that as we leave, when we go through those exit doors, we will be encouraged, we will be built up, maybe we're even exhorted, but our faith will have increased to know that you care about us, have a plan for our lives, and we receive what you have for each one of us individually this morning, amen. Would you look to your neighbor and just tell them this morning you're glad to be sitting by them, just say, I am so glad to be sitting beside you. Now, just in case they haven't heard this yet this morning, would you look at your other neighbor and say, you look absolutely amazing today. (laughs) And you truly do. You're a great looking group. And uh, we're glad to have you with us celebrating our Lord this morning. How many of you watched the big wedding this past week? How many got up early in the morning and watched it? Man, this crowd this morning here, you guys, highest percentage of all the services is this one right here. So, uh, way to go. Got up early, watched the royal wedding, wedding of the century. Prince Williams, Kate Middleton getting married. I heard that over 5 million Canadians got up early to watch that wedding, 61% of them being women. And that's about what we saw this morning. More hands of the ladies went up. Cheryl got up to watch the wedding. It was only women in our house that got up to watch it. I didn't even know she got out of bed. I found out a day later that she got up to watch I had no idea. I said, did you watch it? She goes, yeah, I, I got up. I says, really? You were out of it. And uh, I was. I just. But I watched the YouTube version. You can. I found uh, Royal Wedding in 60 seconds. And I, so I caught it all, guys. And uh, it, was, it was good. But we have a great curiosity about Kate Middleton. The world's intrigued by her. Who is this woman? How did she win the heart of Prince Williams? How did that happen? 
It's an interesting story. She came from a kind of an obscure village. Uh, she meets him at St. Andrew's University in Scotland. Apparently, she wanted to go to a young, another university, but her mom encouraged her to go to that university, knowing that's where Prince Williams was going. <laughs> Mamas have a way of doing that. And so, no, let's just kind of steer you in this direction. And uh, she went there, met him there, and apparently it was love at first sight. A lot of interest in Kate, the town she's from, and what's she like? What does she wear? People copying the, cat, the hats that she wears. And I heard that her wedding dress has already been uh, studied and already in production in China. And it's going to be a big seller. So this stuff is all being watched. When she met... Prince Williams, for the first time, she did her little curtsy, and apparently he was so struck with her that he spilt the drink he was carrying on himself. He was, oh, he was so excited to meet her. Uh, he paid 350 pounds to get a front row seat at the fashion show that she was in, and he was just Twitter-pated with this amazing, intriguing Kate. And they waited like eight years before they finally got married. Her friends nicknamed her Weighty Kate because she waited so long for this. And finally he proposes in Kenya and gives her this amazing ring that uh, his mom had. And so it's been the story, really, that everybody's followed. And she marries into, kind of from an ordinary family, she marries into this amazing royal family. And we've all watched and just been in awe of this love affair. Well, this morning we're going to talk about A woman who is very intriguing, and as much as Kate marries into the royal family, this lady, Rebecca, marries into a family that is, over history, far more famous than the royal family. She marries into the family of Abraham, and Abraham today is probably one of the most well-known historical figures around the planet. He's the father of our faith. He's the father of the, the Jewish faith. And he's also very well respected as a prophet and leader amongst Islamic nations. So Abraham is a very, very famous historical figure. And Rebecca marries into this family. And she's kind of picked out of obscurity. She's an interesting lady. And we're going to learn about her this morning and how she ends up marrying kind of the prince of Abraham's home, Isaac. So... Our text is Genesis chapter 24, and if you have your Bibles or you got your iPhone there or wherever you have the Bible loaded, let's get it out and uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 24, and we won't read the whole chapter. It's 67 verses long, and you can finish the rest in your devotions this week. Great story. Encourage you to read it for sure, but we'll read part of it this morning. Now, as we read this story, let me give you a little bit of background for the story and also for the way this works. God wants us to understand him. He wants it to be such that we can get a grasp on the greatness of God. And often the Old Testament stories are what we call a type and shadow of what we have now in the New Testament. It's kind of a picture of our relationship with God and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this story, Abraham is a picture of God the Father. And Isaac, his son, is a picture of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The servant in the story is a picture of the Holy Spirit sent to Find a bride for the son. Rebecca is a picture of the church because the church is the bride of Christ. So that's kind of the background. And we are in the story, Rebecca, 
the church is Rebecca, so we can see ourselves in her. Abraham sends his servant to go find a wife for his son. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to draw us to his son. Where the Bible says the Holy Spirit woos us. He draws us to the goodness of Jesus. And when we see Jesus for who he is, we're amazed. And we don't really know what he's like, but the Holy Spirit draws us to him. And then when we see him, we go, wow, this is our Lord. So that's where we fit in this story. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Now Abraham was old. His wife, Sarah, his first wife, has passed away. He's well advanced in age. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham's doing pretty good. Lots of land, cattle, camels, gold, silver. He's wealthy. Abraham said to his oldest servant of his house, the one he trusts the most, who ruled over all that he had. So this is his COO, chief operating officer. And he says, I have an assignment for you. Put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. He was living with some people called Canaanites. They were pretty perverse people, and he didn't want his son marrying into that. They were pretty perverted uh, in the way they worshipped. They offered children as a sacrifice. They were pretty perverted sexually, and uh, he just did not want his son marrying into that. And so he's giving his servant some very specific instructions. He said, but you to go to my country, to my family, take a wife from my son Isaac there. Verse 5, and the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Can you imagine you've been given that assignment? I want you to go back to the homeland and I want you to find a wife. And the servant just asks the obvious question, well, what if she doesn't want to go? Maybe she doesn't want to leave her family and come to this land. And he said, can I take your son? And so she can at least check him out. And he says, no, don't do that. He goes on to say this. You know, we're supposed to stay in this country. Those are orders from the Lord. So you're not going to be able to do that. Abraham says to him, verse 6, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, from the land of my family, who spoke to me and swore to me, saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Abraham has been praying. If you've got children, you've probably been praying for your kids to marry the right person, right? Most parents do that. You're praying that my son marries the right lady, my daughter marries the right man, and you're you're praying for that. Really, as soon as they're born, you start praying for them in that way. When our oldest daughter was born, I remember carrying her uh, after Cheryl had given birth, taking her nurses with me to the room that they put the little baby in, and I have Jennifer in my hand, and at that point already as a dad, I'm instinctively praying that she marries the right man, and uh, we just kept praying that, and uh, we said, God, we need you, we want you involved in this, and as much as Abraham had an angel involved in that, if you're here today and you have children, God will get his angels involved, that you have a supernatural divine appointment that your children will find the right person to marry. So it's good to pray for that. Abraham did, and we're encouraged to do it. So he's given him this instruction, verse 8, and if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you're released from the oath. Only do not take my son back from there. So verse 9, the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham. That's where they made their uh, agreements. That was a powerful way of swearing, I'll do this. And he swore to him concerning this matter. 
Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. Let's pause it just for a second. Ten camels. Today, folks, that's like taking ten Mercedes-Benz, okay? This is not, this is the 600 series, or there's like ten Rolls-Royce or ten Bentleys. So this man is wealthy, and he just takes ten of the fleet, and he heads off for the journey. Just to give you an idea, geographically where they're going to go, they would be in Israel today, not too far from, let's say, the Sea of Galilee. And they would go up through present-day Syria and then head over a little bit eastward towards out of Syria on the border of Turkey, Iraq, up in there. So they've got about 400 miles to go by camel. This is going to take them about three-plus weeks to go. Not really nice country to go through. It's hot. It's rugged. Long journey for them to go. He's got a hike ahead of him. So he takes ten, and he has all that his master gave him in his hand, and he rose, and he went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women came out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. And so his servant is a believer as well. He's praying. He prays a quick prayer, and here's what he prays. He's got a tough assignment, right? Remember, he's got to go find, he's got to roll into town, 10 camels, and find a wife and bring her back. Not an easy assignment. Uh, Easier to go buy a piece of land or buy another camel, but to go get... No pressure, get the right wife for my son. And he's, he's praying, oh God, I need your help on this one. Uh, please, as I stand here by the well of the water, and the daughters, plural, of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink. And I'll also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you've appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know you've shown kindness to my master. So notice he doesn't say, Lord, when I pull up there, please bring out the beauty queen. And I want to find the most beautiful woman in all the land. Would you bring out the beauty queen? Now, he's, he's praying something a little bit different. He says, I want to see somebody who would take the pitcher off her shoulder, pour me a drink. And then I'm also going to ask that she waters my camels. Verse number 15, and it happened before he had finished speaking. So he's still praying. He's still talking about this to the Lord. And this lady shows up, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now, the young woman was very beautiful. So she's not just beautiful. She's very beautiful. And she's... uh, To behold, she's a virgin. No man had known her. She went up to the well. So she has to go to the well. She filled her pitcher and she came up. So obviously you got to go down to the well and you got to come back up. And she, he says, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And she says, drink my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and she gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, which is, Really surprising, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough. So she had to go down to the well and she brings it, she pours it into the trough for them to drink. She ran back to the well to draw water and she drew for all his camels. How many camels did he have? Ten. All right, you got the picture. Ten camels, thirsty, long journey. And uh, so the man wondering at her remained silent doesn't say anything he's just standing here watching her watering the camels so as to know whether the lord had made his journey prosperous or not 
So it was when the camel said, finish drinking, that's important, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing ten shekels. And he gives her a nose ring. Apparently nose rings were back in style then too. So if you've got nose rings today, this is not a new thing. It's not cutting edge. It's just, you know, it's been around for thousands of years. And uh, she was into nose rings and he gives her a nose ring. Uh, and it weighs like about a, a a uh, quarter of an ounce, and then he also gives her two bracelets, and they weigh uh, about four ounces. So she's got over four, almost about four and a half ounces of gold times 1,500, do the math. It's about a $7,000 tip for watering camels. Not too bad. So she's, guys, jewelry works. What else can I say? It just works. You know, watch a man walking down the street with a Tiffany bag, and all the ladies will go, hmm, who's the lucky one? Hmm. Watch a man walk down the street with a bouquet of flowers, and they'll go, ah, oh, it's a great experiment, for no other reason. Just buy yourself some flowers if you have to. <laughs> but go down to a store, buy 12 roses, and walk down Robson Street, and every woman will just go, Oh, who's the woman? Who's the lucky one? There's just something about the power of a gift, you know. And so this guy's smart. He gives her some gold, the gold ring for her nose, and two gold bracelets. So she's, she's, she's probably in her late teens. So she's this teenager, amazing gifts. And, uh, and then he says, whose daughter are you? And he says, tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So you've got ten camels. He's got some servants with him. And he says, hey, can we come over to your place? After you've watered my camels, and uh, she says to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, Milka's son, of whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, over and above, we have both straw and feed enough, and we've got room for you to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head, and he worshiped the Lord. He doesn't tell her what's helped, but he just says, oh, God, thank you. He, the, the guy, he's really excited right now. He's trying to even hold back his excitement because he's going to go to the house and he'll visit them. Now, I won't read the rest of the story for you. You can do that later, but let me give you just the Reader's Digest version. They, they go back to the house. He walks in. They got some food ready for them. Laban, her brother, he's a bit of a conniver. He had run out when, because she came running back. She's got the gold ring. And she's got the gold bracelets. And she comes running back and she says, Mom, Dad, look what I got. And they go, what did you get? And she goes, what happened? And so she's telling him what happened. And then Laban, because he's like, oh, man, i got to meet this guy. Gold and gold like that. I could maybe get some for myself. And so he's interested. And they bring him to the house. And uh, they say, would you like something to eat? And the servant says, wait a minute. Before I eat, I have to tell you what happened. Here's where I'm from. Here's what Abraham said. I'm here. I prayed this prayer when I pulled up because I'm, my job is to go find a wife for Abraham's son Isaac. And as I pulled up, I just prayed. said, God, please, may there be a, a girl come up and offer to give me a drink and then offer to water my camels. And, and, and Rebecca did that. And Rebecca noticed, man, she's starting to think, God's hand is on this. So then they have this meal together. The next day, she would leave, and she'd go back and meet Isaac. So that's kind of the rest of the chapter. We'll unfold a little more as we get into the message. So let me, let's learn some things from this intriguing woman, Rebecca. Why is her courtship messy? Okay, number, let's first of all clear this up. She was in the right place at the right time. There's just something about being in the right place. 
she went out to get water. She's doing that for her family for different reasons, but she's at the right place at the right time. She's not at home hiding. She's not watching the Canucks game. She is out there where people are. And if you're single today, it just helps to be at the right place at the right time. She's, she's out mixing with people. This, she's out getting her water at the well. And this is where the daughters went. Obviously, the women went there to the well. So she's at the right place at the right time. Much could be said about that, but for the sake of time, let me give you number two. She had the right qualities. It wasn't just being at the right place at the right time. There were certain qualities about Rebecca that made her really, really attractive to the servant. Here's some of her qualities. Number one, she's hospitable. She responded to the stranger, and she gives him a drink. And she takes quickly... Not slowly, but quickly, she pours him a drink of water out of the pitcher. We live in an urban world, and sometimes we, get, we have an opportunity to do an act of kindness for somebody we don't know. And it's really easy for us to get jaded in our city, isn't it? It's easy just to be constantly brushing into people that we almost want to retreat. And when we have an opportunity to do kindness, we just brush it off because we, we're into ourselves. There's something about Rebecca that's very intriguing. She could have said, you know what? You've got servants over there. Get your own water. I'm busy. I've got my own pitcher. But she's quickly, she serves him. Jesus said this, he said, if you're faithful in a little, you'll be faithful in much. If you're faithful with another man's, you'll be faithful with your own. And there is a principle, a timeless principle, that if you're faithful in little things, it's just a little thing, but God watches a little thing. He'll say, when we get to heaven, you'll say, well, when did I feed you? When did I help you? He says, when you, when you extended help to that stranger, you invited them into your home, you were hospitable. When you went to the prison and you visited people, I saw that, I noticed that. In those little things, what you were doing, that was so important. So we don't want to brush over that. Just the fact that she would give this man who was older a drink of water was huge. So she's hospitable. Secondly, this is probably the most important one. This is where it gets messy. She's hardworking. She went the second mile and she offered water to the camels. Not just to the servant, but to the camels. Now, this was a very unusual request for the servant to pray this. He's, he's really thinking outside the box for, again, he's not asking for a beauty queen. He's saying, Lord, show me somebody who'd be willing to water the camels. Now, let me explain why this is so important. Camels drink about 20 to 25 gallons each. So let's say, conservatively, 20 gallons. So how many camels again? 10. So 20 times 10, that's 200 gallons of water. 200 gallons of water. Her pitcher contains two gallons. 200 divided by two, 100 gallons of water. She has to go down to the well. Remember, she came up, she went down, came up, and then she pours it into a trough. So it's, she doesn't open her, her, her tap and just let it run. She can't just take the hose and fill the bucket and pour it out. Or No, she has to physically go and draw the water pull it up by hand, put it on her shoulder, walk over to the trough, pour it out, get back up, walk over, lower it, pull it up, put it on her shoulder. Two, she's doing this a hundred times. Let's say she could do one pitcher every two minutes. That'd be, I mean, she's in pretty good shape to do this anyhow. She must be pretty fit. I don't know if she went to Studio 55 to do CrossFit or how she got fit, but this, this gal is fit. She's in shape. So if she could do... Let's say two minutes per pitcher, so that's 
100 times 2, 200 minutes, divided by 60, that's over three hours of work. Three hours, they came at sunset, it's evening, so let's say they arrived at 5, she offers this guy at 5 o'clock to do this, by 8 o'clock she's done the work. Do you get, kind of get an idea of what this is like? And there's other daughters there. Now you have to understand, when they went to the well, ladies, I don't know what you get dolled up for or where you go. But that's where you got dressed up for. You were going to the well. And you, and you put on your best. You, you put on a little bit of Chanel number no. 5 or whatever you ladies are wearing today. I don't know what it is. You got your favorite perfume. You put that on. You got your scarf in the right place. You got your hair just done up right. She's, women have not changed. I mean, they still like to dress up and get a guy to look at them. And she is, she's ready. She's going out to the well. The other daughters are there. That's where you would be noticed. You're not noticed sitting at home. You're noticed when you're in the right place at the right time. And so she's out there and she's... She gives this man a drink, and the other daughters are going, oh, you know, that's cool to do that. But then she does something, in their opinion, really dumb. She says, I'll water all your camels. And I can just see the other girls, oh, Rebecca, you blew it. What are you volunteering for? So Rebecca starts off, and, you know, her Chanel number 5 is smelling okay for the first little trip. But after a while, she's starting to smell like 10 stinky camels. You know, she's, she's not smelling so pretty anymore. And her secret, it ain't no secret anymore. She's got a stain all the way down her dress. Her back is sweaty. Her hair, which was done in the morning, it's all over the place. She just looks like she was at the gym working out for three hours. She's sweaty. She's, her makeup is running. The mascara has drooped. And she is like, honey, if you ever wanted to meet Mr. Right, you just blew it big time because you look like a poor little messed up servant girl. And she's doing this quickly. And she, and it, you know, the neat thing is that she finished. She finished the job. She could have said, you know, halfway through, uh, I don't know who you are, dude, but you know what? I am really tired, and I think mom is expecting me for supper right about now. So you've been standing watching me here this whole time, but maybe you could get one of your lazy servants to finish watering the camels, and I could go home, and let's forget this ever happened. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I should have never volunteered for this. It was the dumbest thing I've ever done. My hair's a mess. All the guys have left, and I really messed up. They're going to be thinking, nobody's going to ask me on a date after this, and that, she could have, it was messy. It was not in a bad way. It really was in a good way. Because this guy who had been praying, he wasn't looking for somebody that was a beauty queen. He was looking for somebody that had character that would stand up to do this. Because you can marry a beauty queen, but uh, does she, can she cook? <laughs> can she balance the checkbook? Can she raise children? Can she... And he, so he, the beauty was great, but for him he was... If I'm going to bring somebody home for Isaac, then I'm really going to look for somebody that has beauty that's more than on the surface, but also has this character on the inside. And that was really, that was his test. And uh, Rebecca goes a second mile. The first mile we do by choice, but the second mile is, is even a higher choice where we do it by the Spirit. 
And always remember, we did this message last year on the second mile. The miracle is in the second mile, where you go beyond your responsibility, where beyond what is required of you in your workplace, in your marriage, in your community. Anybody who steps out and says, I will go beyond, above and beyond, I will do more than what's required, that's when something kicks in. And it looked like Rebecca messed up. It looked like, man, you just give it up, girl. You, you're never going to get married when you act like that. But what happens is he gives her this amazing nose ring and, and bracelets, and she's pretty excited, and she would run back home. And I can just hear her telling her parents, Dad, Mom, look what happened. Oh, and, and you would be a parent. You'd go, who was this guy? You did what? You watered all his camels? Yeah, and I invited him over, and all the camels were all coming over for supper. And you go, uh-huh. And you offered our feed to all his camels? Yes. And I could just see mom and dad go, who is he? And then they find out, this is Abraham's top servant. Well, that changes everything. Okay. Oh, you've done well, daughter. Yeah. This is King Abraham, so to speak. This is Abraham. Okay. And then he comes and he tells the whole story. And they're going, their jaws drop and they go, wow, we have been praying for you. What a sign. And this man prayed and you did that. You didn't know anything about it. You weren't rewarded till afterwards. And it just dawns on them, God's fingerprints is all over this. And so the next morning when she goes to leave, they actually say, can she stay 10 days longer? And they say, no, we got to go. And they say, well, we'd really like her to stay 10 more days. And they say, well, it's Rebecca's decision. Rebecca, do you want to go? So it's not like she's forced to go. This is not an arranged marriage where she has no choice. She could have said, no, I don't want to go. It's a big risk. I don't want to go. But she says, you know what? Yeah, I'm going. She's a woman of faith. She's an intriguing woman. If you study her entire life, man, she... She, even later on, the way her youngest son gets chosen, it's an interesting story. She's a really intriguing, gutsy lady. And she's beautiful. There's no doubt about it. She is a, a very beautiful woman, but she's got this amazing strength and character in her. Her name, Rebecca, I looked it up in the Hebrew lexicon, and it means a rope with a noose. Rebecca, a rope with a noose. But what it means by implication was that her beauty was so captivating that that alone would capture men. So she was such a beautiful woman that that alone would capture somebody, but that's not what wins this servant over. It was her ability to stick with it and to finish what she was doing. And some of us today, we're watering camels. You volunteered to do something. You said, I'll do it. And later on, you wondered, why in the world did I ever decide to do this? I signed up for this, but why did I sign up for this? Because the mascara is gone, the smell has gone, the romance has gone off it, and you're wondering, what in the world am I doing this? I volunteered to help in children's ministry, and it's been three months later, or I volunteered to serve in the nursery, and I'm still changing dirty diapers or whatever, and I'm still doing all this. Why am I doing this? Or maybe it's for your family. You said, God, I want to have a family, I want to have children, and you're like, I have been serving and serving and serving. Will there ever come anything out of this? Because I just feel like I'm giving my life away. 
Or maybe you're here today and you've been praying for a spouse or a loved one, especially if you live in a home where one person says, I want to follow God, and the next person says, I don't want to, and you've done everything you know how to do, and you keep watering and watering, and it's, it's a long process, it's a lot of work, and you feel like, where is my reward? God has a message for you today. Do not grow weary in well-doing. You are in a miracle zone. Rebecca, it looked messy, but she was in a miracle zone. The others had gone home, but she had volunteered to do something. And when we volunteer, when we step up to do the right thing and to serve, it puts us in a miracle position. She was hospitable. Rebecca was hardworking. Rebecca was honoring to her parents. She ran home. She said, Mom, Dad, this is a situation. And she also was a lady who was, took care of herself. We know this because she had set the boundaries. She was still a virgin. She was beautifully, uh, she looked beautiful. And she was also a lady who was excited, and she had an expectancy about her. She had a personality. When I get to heaven, I want to meet Rebecca. Rebecca, I, I, I got a little glimpse of you through the scriptures, but I'd like to hear more about your story. What was it like for her when they were heading back on that journey? Three weeks on a camel, okay? Get the picture. There's no CD player. There's no iPhones, okay? She can't press a button. The DVD player comes down. She can put in her DVD and watch that while she journeys along like we have in our cars today. She's on a camel. And uh, her nurse came with her and, uh, or her servant. And they got a long journey ahead of them. And ladies, what would you do if it was you? I know what you'd be doing. You'd be bugging the, the servant, the, uh, the old servant. You'd say, um, how tall is he? I, I, he's... he's Tall, dark, and handsome. <gasps> I knew it. I imagined him that way. And you'd be saying, okay, like, what is he doing in his spare time? What's his hobbies? What's his favorite food? Uh, what do you think I should wear? You'd be, you'd be asking all these questions, trying to figure him out, trying to get the scoop on this guy. And, and she's asked all these questions. And then after three weeks, a long journey, they pull into the town where they're from. And when they pull into town, they're approaching it, and she sees this man walking in the field. And she, he gets her attention, and she says to the servant, Hey, 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 who, who's that guy? And she goes, and they go, oh, he says, that's, that's, that's Isaac. That's who you're going to be marrying. She goes, whoo. <laughs> wow. Better than I thought. And she kind of blushes a bit, says she gets off her camel, and she puts the veil over her face, and she's just, wow. You know what Isaac was doing out in the field? He's out there meditating in the evening, praying. Praying for his wife. Praying for the person he's going to be marrying. He wasn't sitting in front of some computer screen. Look at some pictures that he should be seeing. He wasn't out doing something else. He was, this guy was preparing himself for the bride that was coming back. These two people had an amazing courtship, unusual courtship, but there's things we can learn from it. After that, they get married. Let me wrap up in summary. Lots could be said about this, but here's a few things that we can learn from the story of Rebecca, some takeaways. Number one, especially if you're single, you're looking for somebody to marry, look in the appropriate places. He went and he said, go back to my people. Don't go to the Canaanites, which represented people that were far from God. Go to the right place. Don't go looking in a singles bar and say, well, I'm going to go there. I'll find somebody because I tried and I served for six months and nothing happened. So I'm just going to go do it my way. And then I'll bring him here and we'll get it all fixed up. 
Yesterday, Sue Thompson, who serves here at the church, she said, boy, that story of Rebecca really touched me. She said, for 11 years, I served in our church in England. And I was single, and I wanted to be married the first year. The second year I was serving, I said, Lord, what am I doing here? I could be doing like my other friends are doing. I could go out there, and I know I could put it on and find somebody, but I'm going to serve in your house. She says, two years went by, 11 years went by. And some days I would feel like I was going up one side of the church and down the other side of the church, and there was, it was slim pickings were her words. It was slim pickings. It was just like, where are all the godly men? And I know some of you ladies have asked that same question. And so she was like, where are they? And after she said, 11 years, God set me up with my husband, Harvey. And he, you can't miss him. He's like seven feet tall. And, and she just fell in love with Harvey. And they've been happily married ever since. But she said, that was my life. And those 11 years, she said, it was like watering camels for 11 years. But in the midst of that, God was preparing me for the right time to meet the right person. And so... It's important to look in the appropriate places. Trust God in that. Ask the Lord for help. Parents here today, pray for your children like Abraham did to find the right spouse. Ask the Lord. He'll send an angel ahead of you. Don't do it on your own strength. Really believe God for his help in this important decision and in any decision. And then don't base your decision on one sign. Abraham's servant did say... Here's a sign, may she water my camels. That's a big sign, really unusual. It would point to someone special. But that's not all he did. He went back, he met the family. He didn't tell her until they got to the home what it was all about. Then they made the decision. And we've met people who saw somebody on the SkyTrain. Oh, I saw this guy on the SkyTrain. What a good-looking guy. And then I came to church, and he was there, and that's it. That's my sign. That's the man I'm supposed to marry. And that's, I mean, that's all they needed. Now, I hate to burst your bubble, but if, if you're going to marry a person on that one sign alone, you are on dangerous territory. You want more than one sign. You need to have wise counsel. You need to have the peace of the Holy Spirit. You need to have people like your mom and your dad like she did. She honored them. And so you need others around you for that important decision. Seek advice. She was rewarded for it. I don't know if I mentioned that point number three on the previous page. She was rewarded. She was rewarded with more jewelry. Ladies, she got the gold rings and then some more jewelry and treasure on her way back. And uh, so she was going back to a place where she knew she'd be cared for. She was rewarded with a great husband. She was rewarded with a legacy. Perhaps the greatest thing is the legacy that she left behind. Lots to take away from one intriguing woman named Rebecca. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.